Throughout the Bible, we read about people who thought they would live forever and acted that way. We read about Abel's brother Cain. We read about the people who surrounded Noah and his family prior to the flood. The people who lived during the times of the judges and then, of course, Saul and David and Solomon. We read about Ahab and Jezebel and every other king of the northern kingdom and most of the ones of the southern kingdom. Of course, we go on into the New Testament and we read about a host of people who lived however they wanted to live as if there would be no consequence whatsoever to their actions once this life was over. Of course, not all of those people continued in life that way and ended their lives the way they began them or lived them. Of course, we know David and Solomon both died faithful to God. We read the Ecclesiastes and that was Solomon's confessional letter to the to the sins in his life and his wisdom and guidance to those who would come after him. But this evening I want us to return to the Old Testament. I want us to revisit a man who lived as if every day was a party and as if nothing would ever come of the way in which he lived his life. Turn to Daniel chapter 5. I want us to notice the first five verses, Daniel chapter 5. Belshazzar the king made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousand. Belshazzar, whilst he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the golden and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple, which was in Jerusalem, that the king and his princes, his wives and his concubines might drink therein. Then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God, which was at Jerusalem, and the king and his princes, his wives and his concubines drank in them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and of silver, of brass, of iron, of wood, and of stone. In the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand and rode over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote... The title of the sermon tonight is, When the Party Ends, because it always does. The passage before us has a lot to say about the conclusion of a life lived in rebellion to God. And I think we need to understand what God has in mind and what He expects. So as we look at Belshazzar, I want us to begin with this idea Belshazzar led a wasted life. That's our first point. As we look at the context of what's happening in Daniel chapter 5, we see that it was a night of blasphemy. He blasphemed. It was a night of drunkenness and debauchery. They did whatever they thought they could do, whatever their imaginations could lead them to do and to think, and they did it as if nothing would ever come of it. I think as we look at this, section of Scripture, it it speaks to us of the evils of imbibing in alcohol and drugs or anything else that might alter uh, the state of mind of anyone. And when we look at the things that were going on in the palace during the reign of Belshazzar, and we look in the lives of people we know who engage in different things, not necessarily drugs and alcohol, but whatever the case may be, we see those vices in the lives of people are simply a prop in this life. 
They're looking for something in this life, yet they can't find it because the answer is not in the physical, it's in the spiritual. People yearn for something, they, they want something, they desire something, and they have a difficult time finding it a lot of the time. I think we need to understand, though, as we live through this life and we give our attentions to things that, that should not uh, be happening, <clears throat> things can take a grip or take a hold of our lives and they can begin to cause problems in our lives and devastation in, the, in families and relationships. <clears throat> I think, though, it's very important to understand that a person is able to overcome anything in this life if they want to overcome it. Listen to what Paul had to say, 2 Corinthians 10, beginning with verse 3. He told those in Corinth, he said, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringeth into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. We're not fighting a physical warfare. We're fighting against Satan, a spiritual warfare. And we have to be able to address the things in which he uses against us. We have to be able to address the spiritual warfare that we face with him. And he's going to try every trick in the book. He's going to cause all kinds of problems. It worked on Belshazzar and it's working today important for us to keep in mind always. Paul also told them in, in Corinth in his first letter, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that God would always provide an escape from the temptations that are presented to us in this life because of Satan coming into the world. But notice as Belshazzar sat in his banquet hall, as he sat in his palace, he brought out those golden bowls and and cups, and he wanted to show the superiority of his gods over the God of the Hebrews. He wanted to be disrespectful, he wanted to ridicule, and he wanted to blaspheme the God of heaven. And what better way to do it than to drag out the vessels of God's holy temple and drink wine in them and engage in activity that is against what God wants. I think we still think, see things like that happening in today's world. Maybe not particularly like what Belshazzar was doing, but we see it still happening. In speaking to those in Rome, 1 Corinthians 4 verse 6, <clears throat> Paul made a statement about not thinking of other men above that which is written. We need to consider every single thing in our lifestyles, in our interactions with people and in our relationship with God according to what is written. We need to be able to look at the way we worship God. We need to be able to understand that we do things according to what is written. It was written for a reason. And what Belshazzar did was knowing better. He did things that were diametrically opposed. Why? Why would he do that? Well, obviously Belshazzar was going to live forever. He was the king of Babylon, the greatest nation at the time. And he was going to live forever. Who was going to do something to the great king Belshazzar? Well, we see that something did happen. He blasphemed. And notice it was also a night of belligerence. He was absolutely 
belligerent, and scornful toward God. Have you ever been around a child that you thought might be scornful? Have you ever seen a child and or or person for that matter, a grown person, and and left with the idea that that's a scornful person? You know, that's a very off-putting personality, isn't it? That's a that's a trait that will not endear people to you. And we see that in the life of Belshazzar. He was belligerent and he was scornful. He was going to do it the way he wanted to do it. There were going to be no consequences to what he was doing. So let's take the holy vessels out of God's temple and use them for a drinking party. He refused to recognize the God of heaven. He knew about who God was. We're told that in the passage of Daniel chapter 5. We'll get down to verse 16. After he had seen the writing on the wall, and it talked about how his countenance had fell, and he began to uh, shake, and the joints of his legs began to beat together. His knees began to knock because of what he saw. And, and do you remember what his mother said? She said, don't worry. Don't worry. Everything's going to be okay. Let's call Daniel in. So Daniel came and he said, I know you. I've heard of you. You can can translate dreams. You can tell me what these dreams mean. How did he know Daniel? Because his father knew Daniel. We can back up and we can look at the account of Nebuchadnezzar. Many people don't agree with this, but as I read what Nebuchadnezzar did, it seems to me that Nebuchadnezzar was converted to God as a disciple. He recognized who God was. He learned his lesson after having gone into the wilderness and and living the way that he lived. He had heard about Daniel because he was Nebuchadnezzar's son. When one ignores God, much like Belshazzar did, when one ignores the Word of God, you know what's left? Simply judgment. Judgment is all that's left when one ignores the Word of God, Hebrews 10, 26-31. That's all one can look forward to. All Belshazzar had on the horizon, though he wouldn't recognize it, though he wouldn't admit to it, was judgment. There's nothing good coming for Belshazzar. God has demonstrated to the world. He's provided to the world the way in which we can be saved. He's provided to the world the way in which we can maintain our salvation. And when a person rejects the very clear teachings of what God has presented, they live a wasted life. That's what happened to Belshazzar. He was the product of a wasted life, and now I want us to notice, this is our second point, he endured the wrath of God. He endured the wrath of God. Where does God focus His wrath? Sin. God focuses His wrath towards sin. God's not uh, a mean God. He's not a hateful God. He's not a scornful God. He doesn't want to pay you back for things that you've done. But He is a just and a righteous God. And He focuses on sin. Can you imagine what Daniel thought when he was called into that banquet hall and he saw those holy vessels and the things that they were doing with those holy vessels and and the actions in which they were involved when he walked into that? I can't even imagine what that, what that man of God thought. But here's what he did do. He gave him a history lesson, didn't he? 
He talked to him about the things that happened in his dad's life, his father's life. How he was driven from the presence of men because of his great pride that was lifted up. So he got a history lesson. And then he got a theology lesson. And he told Belshazzar that he was going to lose what he had. God gave the kingdom to your father. Now he's going to take it away from you. I I can't imagine the things that were going through Daniel's mind. He understood that Belshazzar had crossed a line that he could not return. And God focused on his sinfulness and he gave him a message. When we think of God, I think the majority of the world want to think of God as a God of love. And that is absolutely correct. He is a God of love. But He's a just and He's a righteous God. That means He's a God of wrath. He's a God of judgment and He's a God of punishment in addition to being a God of love. We look in Romans 1 verse 18 and and He talks about turning them over to their vile affections because they had hardened their hearts to the point they could not repent. We see that in Belshazzar. We get over to 2 Thessalonians 1 verses 6 through 9 and we talk about the, the Lord of heaven, our Savior, coming back from heaven with His mighty angels, with a flaming sword, with the shout of the archangel and the trump of God, taking vengeance on them who know not God and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. God was going to do something to Belshazzar. He was going to punish him in righteousness. That's why He demands all people everywhere. Repent. Acts 17.30 Repent. Turn to God. Do the things God has asked of the world to do. Daniel told Belshazzar that he had been weighed in the balance. He had been weighed in the balance. Sin is the focus. And when God focuses on sin, there is always a finality to His judgment. Not only had Belshazzar been weighed in the balance, but he had been found wanting. When God delivers his punishment, it will be final. When we go and we look in Daniel chapter 5, and we read the statements that Daniel gave to Belshazzar. Read with me. Daniel 5, beginning with verse 25. And this is the writing that was written... Mene, Mene, Tekel, Upharsin. This is the interpretation of the thing. Mene, God has numbered thy kingdom and finished it. You're done, Belshazzar, it's over. Tekel, thou art weighed in the balances and are found wanting. It's over. You've lost it all. Perez, the kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. You know what Belshazzar did when he found that out? Gave Daniel a cloth, clothing of scarlet. Put a chain of gold about his neck. He made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. In that night, was Belshazzar the king of the Chaldeans slain. And Darius the Median took the kingdom, being about three score and two years old. See, Belshazzar focused his attention in the wrong place, didn't he? 
God always makes good on His promises, whether it's a promise of reward or whether it's a promise of punishment. Now, thankfully for us, we live, those of us who are alive today, we can reap life everlasting. We can reap the reward of heaven. We can do that because Paul said, Today is the day of salvation, 2 Corinthians 6, verse 2. Belshazzar ignored that. Today has always been the day of salvation, hasn't it? A year ago on this day, it was the day of salvation. Belshazzar ignored that. But there will come a time when the party ends. There will come a time when it is time to pay for the the lifestyles lived by the people of the world. Now we've noticed a wasted life. We've noticed the wrath of God. Now I want us to notice our final point. A wretched death. When God comes in judgment, He comes right now, doesn't He? When He comes in judgment, He comes right now. He doesn't warn you in advance. In six months, I'm going to do something. He's like a thief in the night. The thief doesn't knock on the door. Explain to you, when you go on vacation next week, I'm going to come and I'm going to walk in and I'm going to take the things I think I ought to have. That's not how a thief works, is it? He breaks in when you're not expecting it. You have no idea that he's going to do that. And that's how God comes in judgment. He's going to come quickly. And that's what happened to Belshazzar. Notice what the text said. That night, while Belshazzar had enjoyed the party in the palace, while he was enjoying himself in the banquet hall, the enemies of the Medes were encamped around Babylon. You know what Belshazzar thought? As he was lifting up those holy vessels to his mouth to drink alcohol from them, he believed he was safe and that Babylon was impenetrable. Nothing can happen. But you see, that's something about which we ought to be very careful. Paul admonished the people in Corinth, 2 Corinthians 13, 5, to be sure to examine yourselves. He said, examine yourselves. You know whether you're in the faith or not. See, Belshazzar should have been examining himself. He should have been understanding what his, was happening in his life. He should have uh, taken notice of what happened in his father's life, but he didn't do that. It is believed that within the city where Belshazzar sat as king, that they had food stores enough for 20 years. They had plenty of water. The Euphrates River split the city through an aqueduct. But here's what happened. They had guard towers. They had soldiers. But Darius had his men divert the waters of the Euphrates River, and when the waters went down, they marched right into the city through the aqueduct. And that night, Belshazzar lost his life. Just like God promised. But most do not believe it, do they? Most do not believe that death is coming. Death's coming. It's coming for me, it's coming for you, it's coming for all who live. And if the world stands long enough for all who will live, death will come. We read about that in Hebrews 9.27. We read that death is coming. Following that is the judgment. For it is appointed unto all men once to die. And then the judgment. But no one expects it, do they? We don't expect it. Do you know what I expect to do in the morning? 
I expect to get up and do what I need to do. That's what I expect. But we're not guaranteed that, are we? People expect to get up in the morning. No one believes it's going to happen to them. Nobody really looks for it. That's not something we want to look for, is it? We're not seeking out death, but it's there. It's coming. And have you ever noticed when someone does leave this life physically that it is almost always a shock? Well, I can't believe that brother or sister so-and-so's gone on. I knew my dad wasn't feeling well and he hadn't been in good health for some time, but I just can't believe he, he died. It's always a shock, isn't it? We may go visit someone and visit them and visit them. Might visit them in the hospital. And then we plan to go visit again. I can't tell you the times that's happened to me. I'd visit someone in the hospital and I might do it weekly or a couple times a week and the next time I go to visit, there's no one to visit. I'm shocked. Why? We're not looking for death. Belshazzar lived as if the party would never end. Death is going to come. But we don't have to be in a position to not be ready. Notice what happened to Belshazzar. His death was sudden. Death caught Belshazzar unprepared. And his death was a death of a sinner. Belshazzar died lost. He died outside a covenant relationship with God. He died in rebellion to God. And the most tragic part of this passage is not only did Belshazzar die tragically, he died horribly, but then he went to torments and he is there today. Just like the rich man of Luke 16. Don't you know that he still hears the words of Daniel? Don't you know that he hears thou art weighed in the balances and found wanting? Do you think he regrets giving Daniel a necklace instead of bowing his knee to the God of heaven? Do you, do you believe that he weeps over exalting Daniel when he should have exalted the God of heaven? Does he remember his father telling him about what happened to him in life and how he came to the realization that God is the true God of the world and He works in the kingdoms of men? He knew the truth about God, but he failed to act upon it. Torments is full of people who could have been saved and they ignored what God delivered them in His Word. No one has to live that way, and especially no one has to die that way. All things come to an end, don't they? Whether it's good or whether it's bad, but all sins will be judged by God and they will be punished. Jesus has begged the world to come unto Him. He's begged the world to come Him. Come to Him. He's promised those who come in obedience will never be turned away. No one's life has to be a story of a wasted life, a wrathful God, or a wretched death. It just does not have to happen. But that's what happened to the man named Belshazzar. The man that we read about in Daniel chapter 5, the balance of the chapter He lived a terrible life and he died a terrible death and now he is existing in a terrible eternity. My heart goes out to that. It's heartbreaking. But when we we look at the things in his life and the things that he did, 
we really should not be surprised because God will judge all who stand before Him. And all things in our lives are going to be brought into uh, the public arena, whether good or bad, and we'll be judged on those merits. The sins in one's life who is faithful to God are washed away and forgotten. Those who are not faithful to God will stand in judgment before Him. And all who stand there, and that includes everyone who has ever lived, will understand and know why that individual has been lost. If you've never obeyed the gospel, do that today. Let's use Belshazzar as an example of what we ought to do and what we should not do. Come to God in obedience. As I look out through the audience, I think we're all Christians. We've obeyed the gospel, but we always want to bring to remembrance the plan of salvation because God's given it to us. Faith in Jesus that He is who He said He was, John 8, 24. Repentance of past sins, turning our lives around, turning toward God. That was the answer to the question of men and brethren, what shall we do? Acts 2.38 How can we get rid of this sin that you've told us about? Confessing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, Acts 8.37 Which brings us unto salvation, Romans 10.10 Being immersed in water so all those sins can be washed away And we can stand before God in robes of white Waiting on His appearance If you've done that, you've fallen away, you've become unfaithful Belshazzar had that opportunity too He could have come to God in repentance, confession, and prayer. That's what the child of God does. We don't have to go back into the baptistry. We have to have a penitent heart. We have to be willing to stop doing what we're doing, confessing our faults to God, and sometimes we have to confess them to one another if it's of a public nature, and then ask God to forgive us. If you need to answer this invitation, do that as we stand and as we sing.